Soul Conversations, a podcast where two Korean adoptees unpack what it means to be Asian and adopted by discussing culture, race, history, and sharing adoptee stories. I'm Shanae. And I'm Bunny. And today is our very first episode, so let's get started. Hey, Shanae. We just got off a conversation, um, talked a lot about what's going on in our lives. It's good to hear you. Yeah, you too. It's good to catch up. It's been a while. I know. I think when we first started talking about doing some conversations, we started back last year and then COVID hit. And uh, it's good to be back into the recording seat. Definitely. Good timing. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to talk a little bit about something that is maybe unique to us, but uh, maybe not to others. I just wanted to say and reiterate that adoptees are not monoliths. We can only speak on our own stories, and each story may be different. So we just want to make sure that we consider ourselves to be open to conversation, hoping this podcast will be good at sharing our own personal stories, have great conversations about other adoption stories, and hopefully connect with other adoptees and create bonds over similarities. There also might be some differences, but hopefully we can have some good conversation. So with that, Shanae, you want to kind of talk about yourself? Sure. Um, So I am currently 31. I'll be 32 probably by the time this goes live. Um, And I'm living outside (laughs) of Boulder, Colorado. I was adopted from South Korea when I was six months old. And I've been married for three years. My husband is not Asian and he's also not an adoptee. We are also expecting our first child in May. It'll be a little girl. So that's kind of been what's been taking up all of our time. Pre-pandemic and pre-pregnancy, and really pre-Colorado, I was teaching seventh grade English back in Boston, Massachusetts. That's kind of been on hold. I think we're going to wait and see what happens once the baby gets here, but teaching is definitely kind of where my interest and where my heart lies. So hopefully at some point I'll get back to that. But yeah, that's kind of what's been going on with me lately and where I'm at. Benny, how about you? Yeah. And before I dive in, I just want to say congrats. And um, do you have a name picked out? Are you thinking about it right now? Or are you going to wait till after? We do finally have a name picked out, but it's the one thing that we are not saying a word <laughs> to anybody <laughs> about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can't wait till it comes. And I'm sure she's going to be great uh, addition to the family. You have a cat already too, Tink. Yep. Anything you want to tell our audience about that? She's A great child in training. She might make an appearance at some point. You might hear some meowing in the background, but she likes to be where all the action is and she likes to be the center of attention. So we'll see what happens once the baby gets here as far as things go. (laughs) I'm sure it'll be a power struggle, but they'll be fine. Yep. My name is Benny. I am also living in Colorado. I am a 35-year-old male adopted from South Korea when I was four months old. I actually grew up in a really small rural town in Wisconsin with my adoptive parents who are both white and have two other siblings, one brother, one sister, and one is white and one is also Korean. We are not blood. But we are a big, happy, kind of a mismatch of a family that have a lot of different great backgrounds and stories So we'll dive into a little bit later. So before I moved to Denver, I was working in a nonprofit in the higher ed world, in the marketing realm, and uh, moved out here about three years ago now in 2018, and also now working in a nonprofit here as well. But it's been great out here and how... Me and Shanae met was when I first got to Denver, one of the things I promised myself to do if I made a move out from the Midwest to uh, Denver, which I wanted to do for a long time, was seek out and build a community of other people who looked like me or had maybe similar experiences and 
that kind of came in fruition through finding the community of other South Koreans. And even more specifically, maybe find other people who were adopted in a similar or the same situation. And at some point in time, when the newness of being a new city wore off and tried to start building my new friend community out here, I knew I needed to take some action. So the first one was really simple, literally just going on Instagram and searching hashtags. And I remember searching for Korean adoptees or Korean heritage or all these other uh, hashtags. And that was it. And then um, I think maybe the next day I was uh, on Instagram and noticed a really great post. And maybe, Sinead, you can talk about that later on, of this Korean woman who showed her face with a, a lot of different sayings on it and instantly liked it. And I think after that, Sinead, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe we had a few different conversations and definitely started to uh, kind of unpack our background. And we were both in a similar situation where we were adopted from South Korea and taken into a family who was a little bit different than us. And which we'll unpack a little bit later. Yeah, I guess I can go back that that post had originally come up because I had just moved to Boulder, Colorado with my husband um, from Boston. I had been in the East Coast and New England for my entire life. And at that point, I had left my teaching job. I was just newly diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder. I had moved halfway across the country. So there were a lot of feelings and emotions. And my way of processing all of those was to write. And I guess for whatever reason, I think maybe to hold myself accountable, not so much to put a public emphasis on it, but I had decided to start my blog, which is called Becoming Boulder. And I originally intended to write about being newly diagnosed with bipolar 2 and all of the things that came up around that. And for whatever reason, I mean, I guess it's maybe a natural progression. I started really unpacking my adoption experience and my feelings around being an adoptee or being one of the only minorities in a lot of the spaces that I occupied. And I think that when I made that post, I was just truthfully, I think I was kind of pissed off about something. I think I think either somebody had said something or I was reflecting on my childhood and I just got like really angry about being so suppressed or feeling so suppressed when it came to sharing about any experiences that I had had with encountering racism from other people. So I had, in my creative fit of anger, written a bunch of Asian slurs and things I had been called with some face paint and then took that picture and wrote the corresponding blog post revealing things that I had been stuffing down inside for the majority of my life. And I think that was the post that you had seen. And when you reached out to me, it first struck me because you were a similar age, you were in the same geographic area, but also that I think in a lot of ways, our stories were so similar in terms of the towns that we grew up in and our adoption experiences. And also that I really hadn't had many conversations or many um, interactions or even met many Korean adoptees as an adult. I had a few friends from, you know, playgroups when I was little, but we kind of just grew up together and we weren't super close. So I was intrigued by the fact that you were somebody new and kind of in a different phase of life to form that relationship with. So yeah, and then I think that you had just said like, hey, why don't we do like an Instagram video chat or just introduce ourselves or when we did and we've been talking back and forth since then. 
Yeah, it's been really interesting getting to know you too. And some of the stuff that you just talked about your posts, I have not heard about before. And I know you told me a few times. So I think it's always really interesting to kind of hear each other's stories. And what I'm really excited about too, on top of what you all just said, is that you identify as a woman, I identify as a man. And I think that's also interesting to being a transracial adoptee. And we'll kind of talk about what that means later on. But I think it's kind of what we were talking about in the beginning where we may be the same age, we may be in the same geographical location, we may have both been adopted from South Korea, but there's even a lot more differences to unpack, and not in a bad way, but just being Korean from a male and a, and a female's perspective. So I'm, I'm glad that we both can talk about our own individual experiences that way too. Yeah, absolutely. So I remember we talked about, okay, so we're glad we had some conversations, but then what do we do next? We want to actually do something. And I think the first thing we threw up was straight into 501c3. Is that right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I forgot all <laughs> that. Well, yeah, because we both were kind of like, hey, this is really cool that we met and we have all this stuff that we can talk about. And it was nice to have somebody to connect with. And then I think we both kind of naturally were like, why are you the only one that we've uh-huh. met, you know, kind of in this uh-huh. area, especially like, what can we do to bring people together? and get adoptees and transracial adoptees to come out of the woodwork. So yeah, that was our original, in hindsight, super ambitious thought. Um, oh my gosh. Thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then and then, uh, could you imagine um, having COVID hit and then you pregnant with your first child and still trying to do yeah, all these I other mean, things? Probably, probably a good thing that that didn't, that wasn't our first We set the bar hard though. Yeah. We set the bar high. But yeah, I think we both knew we wanted to take action and we didn't really know how that was going to formulate. But we ended up thinking about just the things that we kind of missed when we were children is having other people hear their stories and have people talk about what they're going through. Because I think when we were younger, we maybe didn't have those outlets or those resources to go to. And the best way to do it maybe was through a podcast. So this is why we're here today to share and unpack our experiences as transracial Korean adoptees in the hopes of fostering conversation and spreading awareness about not only adoption, but the Asian American experience as an adoptee, which is also unique in itself. So we talked a lot about some terms there. Shanita, maybe you want to unpack a few just to let people know what we're talking about? Yeah, so there are a couple terms that we're going to throw around probably in talking that we just wanted to make sure everyone has the same working definition for just for clarity and understanding. The first one is transracial adoptee. So it's somebody who's adopted into a family that's a different race than they are. So for instance, we are both transracial adoptees. We were adopted as Koreans into white families. So racially, we don't match our adoptive parents or adoptive families. The other one is a transnational adoptee. So that's someone who's adopted into a family that lives in a different country than their native country. So we are also both transnational adoptees. We were born in Korea and we have been raised by families in the United States. So adoptees can be a combination of those two things. Like I had just said, we are both transracial and transnational adoptees. But adoptees can also be transnational adoptees and not transracial adoptees and vice versa. So there is a lot of fluidity there. And it's important that people know that not all adoptees are from the same circumstances. You have international adoption, domestic adoption, and the community is is really broad. And also, we're going to talk a little bit about our adoption stories in this episode. We'll dive deeper in the next two episodes, but we felt it was important to give a little bit of a history of adopting specifically Korean children um, by members of the international community, just so everybody knows where our stories truly started as a community of adoptees from Korea. 
And it started way back in 1955 with two Christians, Harry and Bertha Holt. And they had seen a film about mixed-raced orphans in Korea, um, post-war orphans. And they originally began sponsoring some of these children. And eventually they got to a point where they wanted to adopt eight Korean children. But at the time, international adoption laws in the United States didn't allow you to adopt more than one child at a time. So in order to do so... They had petitioned Congress to pass a new specialized adoption law. Because of that, the Bill for Relief of Certain War Orphans was passed in 1955. And later, it was Harry and Bertha Holt who went on to establish Holt International. And that's one of the largest international adoption agencies in the United States. It is faith-based. It's worth noting that there is a lot of controversy over not only faith-based adoptions, but Holt's International's history, um, especially concerning their early adoption practices. But that that's something we'll dive into later. For now, we just wanted everyone to know that that's really the process and the history that allowed Benny and myself to even be where we are right now and talking to you guys. Yeah. And I think too, I'll talk a little bit about how I was adopted, but I just want to talk briefly about some of these things I don't even know about myself. I don't know anything about my birth parents. A lot of times when I get a checkup, you know, with a new doctor or something, they'll ask of my parents have any medical history. And I said, I don't know. And it's the same thing with adoption papers and things like that. Some things my parents have, but a lot of things I'm, I'm not aware of. But the things I do know was that I was adopted at a very young age at the time. So I was born in August of 1985. And my parents met me in the airport, I believe in Chicago, in November of the same year, only four months later. So I remember my mom saying that that was really young for a Korean baby to be brought over as an adop mm. adoptee. And she always bragged that um, she got lucky because she wanted me to be really little. <laughs> <laughs> so she could raise me. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, from the ground up. But my parents were, I'll talk about this in another episode, were unable to have children, but they knew they wanted to have kids. So they adopted my brother, who is from Wisconsin, who is white, and then adopted my sister four years later after that from South Korea as well. And then I'm the youngest, so I was four years after that. Her and I are not biologically related. So that's also interesting, too, that we come from a family that has two Korean adoptees, but we are from different families through faith-based adoption. They were definitely a religious family. They still are. My parents are very religious and uh, definitely felt like God was calling them to adopt me. So that made me feel special. But like I said, I don't know much about anything about my birth parents. I think at a, at a young age, I really wanted to disassociate myself with the Korean heritage just because of some of the things I went through as a, as a child where I definitely wanted to be more associated with my white friends and fit in. But as I grew older, I definitely am considering searching and looking out. I don't know what I would do with that information yet if I found it, but I do think it's a good natural progression for me where I want to take. Sinead, do you want to kind of talk about your story a little bit? Sure. I was adopted back in 1989. I was exactly six months old. So my airplane day, that's what we call it in my family, the day that I was adopted is exactly my half birthday. <laughs> and I arrived to an airport in Albany, New York in September, I guess very late at night. And as my father had said at my at my wedding as part of his toast, I, I came on a plane that looked like it was from an Indiana Jones movie. I guess it was 
not in the greatest of shape. <laughs> and it was also full of Russians. So I'm not quite sure how that happened, but that's what I've been told. But I was adopted through Parsons Adoption Agency in the United States. That's the domestic agency. And then they partnered with Eastern Social Welfare Society in Korea. Both of my adoptive parents are white. And I was raised as an only child in rural upstate New York. So for those of you who have a very broad picture of upstate New York, I'm talking like Ithaca, Binghamton, Syracuse area. I know there's some people that think anything north of New York City is upstate, but I'm like real upstate. (laughs) Uh, My adoption was not faith-based. My parents, I would say, are Catholic light, but that was not a factor in their decision to adopt. But it was something, I guess, according to my mom, adoption was something that they had always considered and always talked about. But then my mom had had some pretty extensive knee surgeries around the time that I was adopted. And I guess she was told that pregnancy would be very difficult. I think that she would have had to be on bed rest for an extended period of time. Um, So that was really what pushed them to officially decide to go with adoption as a means of having children and starting a family. I recently found my birth mother over the summer, really right before I found out I was pregnant. So that was a very interesting merging of two events. And I'll share more about how that came about and how that happened and my feelings about it later, I'm sure. But that's kind of been the newest development in my own personal adoption story. I haven't had a lot of contact with her, but I have definitely gotten some of the pieces that I was missing in terms of why I was put up for adoption. Um, I found out some information about extended family and siblings and my birth father and all of that. So it's been kind of an unexpected twist in my adoption journey slash story. Um, But it's, it's, neither good nor bad, I would say, is kind of how I feel about it right now. It just sort of is what it is. And I'm digesting information bit by bit. But it's definitely I think it's exciting and definitely something that I would encourage people to do if they felt called to do it. I wouldn't say it's something that I think people should jump into without too much forethought. But at least for me, it's been a, I would say, maybe rewarding is too strong of a word, but it hasn't been a profoundly negative experience. Yeah, I know, Sinead, we kind of talked about this last year, too, and when you found your birth mother, I think I asked you how you felt. And I can't remember exactly what you said, but I think my reaction was, I think I just would have been indifferent or exhausted, um, maybe. And not because it wasn't exciting or any of that. It's just, I think it's a lot to unpack that we've been holding in, or at least I have, you know, since when I can remember, you know, having those thoughts as a kid. It's something that I feel like, I think that... (laughs) I think when you asked me, you were like, how do you feel? And I am pretty sure that the words out of my mouth were, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That was my initial reaction. Mm -hmm. Um, And even like Mm -hmm. to my husband, I think the first time I like saw a picture of her, I just like started crying and he's like, what's wrong? Like, are you sad? Are you happy? I'm like, I don't know. Like my eyes (laughs) are leaking. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is something that I think, you know, and we'll talk about this more in future episodes too, just along with adoption. It's something, it's a moment that is so romanticized in society and film. And you kind of build up this expectation of like, what it's going to be like and how you're going to feel because you've seen these images from movies of people crying and meeting family members and it just being either this like really beautiful or really traumatic experience. So that was the only thing I kind of had to go on. And then when it actually happened to me and it had also happened quite quickly, 
I wasn't expecting to get any answers as soon as I did. I really wasn't expecting to get answers at all. So then when like it happens to you personally, you're, you're measuring your reaction and the whole experience up against those sort of romanticized versions. And when it doesn't meet up, then you just kind of feel a little bit unsettled, a little bit apathetic. It was just very strange. I just knew I didn't feel how I thought I would feel or maybe how I thought I should feel based on everything I had seen. So then my default was like, well, I don't really know. Yeah, I definitely could relate to that. And I have not gone through that experience. But the way that you explained it just now and that day too, I could vividly remember that I would have felt the same way. And I think maybe I was shocked a little bit, but at the same time, not surprised that I would have felt the same way. But we hope that, you know, our stories that we talk about week after week, we definitely want to be able to have some really great conversations together. And hopefully through that, we can provide some of our stories to help out anyone else out there that felt like we were when younger, where we didn't really know where to turn. So hopefully you enjoyed the first episode. Sinead, do you have anything to say? I do think that we definitely both want to encourage people to reach out to us. And if you either feel similarly or have had similar experiences, or if you've had an experience that's completely different, either way, we would love to hear from you and form more connections and connect people. I think that's really a main reason why we wanted to do this. So if you have any thoughts or anything that you want to share, don't be shy. And then what are we talking about next episode? Next week, it's all about you. (laughs) We're going to unpack your adoption story a little bit more in depth and ask and answer maybe some of the deeper questions. Yes. Well, don't worry. You'll be after me. So start thinking about your answers too. I'm going to give you some some tough questions. Yeah. I'll need to be nice remembering that I have to go second. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, thanks for tuning in and we're excited to have you join us next time.